Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present Terry's Mysterious Moments. friends. Welcome to Season 2 of Terry's Mysterious Moments. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you find something interesting. Or maybe something spooky. Or maybe something just mysterious. stories. When talking about ghost stories, the first question we need to answer is, what is a ghost? Ghosts are also called specters. They have other names, phantoms, phantasms, different things. A ghost, in some people's way of thinking, is a person's spirit and that person's spirit exists separately from the body and continues on after the body dies. Now, I don't agree with that completely, but I do agree with it a lot. I do agree that a person has a spirit, that the spirit remains with the body while the body is alive, then after the body dies, it goes on to wherever we go, and it depends on your belief. Like I said, the spirit does live on, but as to a discussion as to what happens to it, I'll not get into. There can be too many arguments. So, over the centuries, the ghost story has become a part of almost every culture on earth. The Japanese have a great culture of spirits in their belief system. Chinese believe in spirits. People in South America greatly believe in spirits. People in North America do too. Europe, all kinds of things. So all over the world, there are ghost stories of a type. I would guess that as population on the earth increased, the spreading of ghost stories also increased. Some may have jumped cultures. I know that, oh by the way, 
if you're hearing some strange pinging noises in the background we're having rain here in San Antonio and we've got thunder also going on so what a setting for a story about ghost stories wouldn't you think as I was saying I would guess that as population increased so did the the ghost stories and again like I said they would jump cultures they would be translated into the culture that assimilated the story in the first century AD we find one of the oldest ghost stories on record the great Roman author and statesman Pliny the Younger who wrote about a specter of an old man with a long beard wearing chains like shackles like slave chains who would appear in the home that Pliny lived in in Athens Greece in the first century now as I remember the story the old man finally got his message across that he had been a slave in that household and that when he died he was buried under one of the stones in the the courtyard or something when they lifted the stone and dug they found the man's bones and when they gave him a decent burial the spirit ceased appearing in the household the Greek writer Lucian and Pliny's fellow Roman Platus wrote ghost stories also around about 856 AD the first reported poltergeist or noisy ghost was reported at a farmhouse in Germany which is okay because poltergeist is from the German and like I said it means noisy ghost or it's loosely translated into noisy ghost this particularly bothersome spirit threw stones at the inhabitants of the house and started fires all over the place now whenever we think of poltergeist we think of this kind of thing in the walls or scratching or somebody being pinched or tickled or poked we think of rocks being thrown we think of glasses being knocked off counters that kind of thing as each society has its own ghost stories so countries have their own ghosts England has an abundance of spirits and many of those spirits are royals and one man to think for that is none other than Henry VIII he did his best to to fill the quota for royal ghosts in England just by getting married Anne Boleyn who was Henry VIII's second wife was executed after being falsely accused of various crimes witchcraft having an affair incest all kinds of things like that now Anne is not to blame for becoming a ghost because like I said it was Henry's choice to have her killed but Anne came back as a particularly active ghost it is written that Henry's matrimonial reputation is not of the best his dealings with his six wives tomb of whom he did to death have certainly put him according to popular opinion among the arch villains of history now he had two killed he let one die after giving birth to a male heir which was all important however Henry himself being such a great sinner that he was being such a horrid man having affairs of his own before he decided to put them the last wife away for whatever reason he died at the age of 56 and like the king in the Bible 
Ahab when his enormous corpulent body was put in its casket on a bier to be seen by the public. The bier broke and his body fell and hit the floor and the dogs came in to lick up his blood, which is what happened to King Ahab in the Bible. But Henry, for all of his wrongdoings and all of his sins and all of his meanness, has never been seen haunting anywhere in England. It's the two wives that he had executed, Anne Boleyn and Catherine Howard. And I started speaking about Anne. Well, Anne was a very young woman and given to people gossiping about her. A lot of stories came out. Henry couldn't handle it, so he had Anne condemned to death. And in true form of her fighting her death, she is fighting her afterlife apparently because she has appeared numerous times in numerous places around London and in the house that she grew up in. And Anne sometimes will appear without her head or carrying her head, which can cause untold fright for the people at Seer. And usually the people at Seer are guards at the Tower of London, which is where she died. There's a place called Blickley Hall in Norfolk. It says, Her much-traveled ghost is said to make a spectacular appearance every year on the anniversary of her death, driving up the avenue to the hall in a coach. She sits, holding her head in her lap, and the coach is drawn by headless horses. The whole thing pulls up in front of Blickling Hall and then vanishes into the air. Phantom coaches and headless horses have been, by tradition, been associated with witchcraft and devil worship. She has also been, been seen driving furiously along the roads of Norfolk, headless in her spectral coach, followed by a strange blue light. She's been reported in Kent, this time being driven up the avenue of Hever Castle, which is where she grew up, apparently, at a furious pace in a funeral coach drawn by six black headless horses. Hever, a 13th century castle near Edenbridge, was once her home. This is where Henry wooed both Anne and her sister Mary. Mary was an earlier mistress of Henry before Anne entered the picture. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The great oak where he courted Anne still stands, and they say that her ghost is seen there every Christmas time. But Anne most persistently haunts the tower where she met her death with such scornful courage. She was buried in the church of St. Peter at Vincular, which is within the tower itself. Many years later, it said her coffin was open, and she was identified by the remains of the famous or infamous, as you look at it, sixth finger that she had on one hand. She said to haunt this little church in particular when a death is imminent. A ghostly ritual is then held in the aisle. The witnesses of this are a 19th century officer of the guard who noticed a bright light shining inside the church and asked the sentry outside the church what it was. The soldier replied he didn't know nor did he wish to investigate. Queer things took place inside that church, he said. The officer 
decided to investigate himself. He ordered the sentry to fetch a ladder. The officer mounted the ladder and peered into the window of the church. The church was filled with an eerie, glowing light, and the officer saw a procession of people dressed in Elizabethan costume moving along the aisle. At the head of the procession was a splendidly dressed and bejeweled woman whose face, the officer said, was like that of the portrait of Anne Boleyn. This phantom procession passed along the aisle, then suddenly vanished, together with the ghostly light by which it had been illuminated, leaving the little church in utter darkness. It was noted that Anne was seen at this time unmutilated. She had her head in place, and this was as she had been at the height of her success and power. But it's not always the case. Some of her appearances are more horrific, and many soldiers on guard at the tower have been terrified when they encountered her. In 1817, a century had a fatal heart attack after meeting her on a stairway, and in 1864, a soldier came under court-martial for being found asleep on duty, but he claimed to have been in a swoon after encountering Anne Boleyn. The story goes that the man was at his post near the lieutenant's lodgings. I don't know the layout of the Tower of London area, so any of you in England may be able to understand what I'm talking about. He was at his post near the lieutenant's lodgings when he suddenly was confronted by a white figure. He made the usual challenge, but received no reply, and he made a thrust with his fixed bayonet, as he was trained to do, whereupon he said there was a fiery flash which ran up his rifle and gave him such a burning shock that he dropped the rifle. After that he remembered no more. When he was further questioned about the appearance of the figure in white, he said it was the figure of a woman wearing a queer-looking bonnet but there wasn't no head inside the bonnet. The court erupted in laughter, but the amusement ceased when the offending soldier called evidence to corroborate what he said. Several witnesses told the court that they had seen a headless woman in white near the lieutenant's lodgings that night. An officer gave sensational evidence to the effect that he was in his room in the bloody tower when he heard the challenge, Who goes there? He looked out of the window and saw the sentry confronted by a figure in white. He saw the sentry thrust at the ghostly intruder with his bayonet. The figure, he said, not only walked through the bayonet, but through the sentry as well. He then saw the soldier collapse unconscious, and the soldier was found in this position and accused of sleeping while on duty. The court-martial found him not guilty, and he was acquitted. It doesn't say whether the court believed his story, but they must have come to the conclusion that something inexplicable had been going on at the tower that night. Anne Boleyn's ghost apparently made another appearance at the tower in 1933 when, according to newspaper reports, she walked straight into the bayonet of another guard and scared him so much that he dropped his rifle and fled from his post into the guardroom shouting for help. Considering its grim history as a place of execution and imprisonment, there are relatively few ghosts at the tower. The wife after Anne Boleyn was Jane Seymour, who died of puerperal fever in the following year, 1537. They married in 1536, I believe. After giving birth to the child who would become Edward VI, 
It is said that her life was forfeited so that the child, the male heir, would live. They basically took care of the baby but left her to die. Jane was uneasy at the way that she took over from Miss Boleyn. And it's said that after she died, her spirit remained earthbound in order to try to contact Anne and make things right with her. She's said to haunt the Silver Stick Gallery in Hampton Court Palace every year on the birthday of the baby prince whose birth had meant her death. Dressing in white, she carries a lighted candle in her hand. She ascends the staircase leading to the gallery, along which she is said to glide wreathed in a silvery light to vanish from sight at the end of the gallery. All this despite the fact that she had a most lavish funeral and 1,200 masses were paid to ensure that her soul had the peace it was considered it deserved. Anne apparently can be seen by many. Jane, on the other hand, can only be seen by people who may have ESP, according to the way they figure things. Henry married Anne of Cleves in 1540, and apparently she was okay, but he wanted another woman, so he married Catherine Howard. Catherine Howard was Anne Boleyn's cousin. She was a young girl at the time, and unfortunately she had the reputation of, as we say around here, uh, the reputation of an alley cat. She was reported to have many liaisons with men, older men, younger men, rich men, poor men. It didn't matter as long as it was a male. Once they married and this came to light, Henry couldn't stand that, so he had Catherine put away. And Catherine was actually in love with her cousin Thomas Culpepper and didn't want to die. But she apparently escaped her cell and ran down a gallery toward the the little room where Henry, in ultimate hypocrisy, was praying for her soul. She tried to get into him, but the guards caught her and took her back into the cell. And then they took her down the Thames to the tower, and she was beheaded at the tower block. So we see that England has, by these examples, quite a few ghosts, spirits, revenants, whatever you want to call them. They have many other stories from England that will just curl your hair. America has come into its own with ghost stories. Living in San Antonio, I know we have a lot of ghost stories in San Antonio. And I know that some of them are just outright frauds. And I, I try to tell people, you know, it may be fun to go do this particular thing, but it's not real. There was nothing that happened out there that caused this to be. And it's not always a popular position to take, but we do have ghost stories and, and ghost stories that can be corroborated by witnesses, by many witnesses over the years. We have such as the Minger Hotel, we have the Alamo itself, we have the area around the Alamo, we have different hotels downtown, not only the Minger, but the Gunter, the St. Anthony is supposedly haunted. We have had hospitals here in town that were haunted we've had parks that were haunted and that's only in san antonio we have many stories across texas uh, we have many stories across the united states and into canada into mexico so ghost stories are something that's part of the culture and whether they're they're true or not or whether they're based on fact it really doesn't matter because 
ghost stories, in my opinion, in some cases, are merely cautionary tales. For instance, the story of La Llorona, the woman who apparently killed her children, her illegitimate children, by throwing them in a river in order to make the man that fathered them be okay with marrying her. Well, it didn't work out. There are various stories on the the situation, but it, it's basically she killed the children in order to get with the man. The man didn't want her, rejected her, so she is known to wander the banks of the river, rivers, wherever she's known to be, crying for her children. And apparently in Mexican culture, one of the boogeymen that, that grandmas tell their grandkids, La Llorona will get you if you don't watch out. If you're out late, if you're doing something wrong, La Llorona will get you. Uh, it's very much like El Cucuy. Uh, I've been called El Cucuy in the past, but I was dressed up in a very scary costume. So we have different, different, uh, different stories from the Mexican, the Hispanic, the Spanish cultures. And I don't know if they've got basis in fact or what. We've got we've got uh, lake creatures in the United States and Canada. And we've got other stories and we've got haunted hotels all around the, the countries. Ghost stories are a major part of culture because it lends itself to a discussion on spirituality. What is the spirit? What is the soul? Do we live on after death? I believe we do. So, if you ever want to get with a bunch of friends, maybe build a campfire out in the woods, or maybe just sit around on a night like this where you can hear the rain pounding on the roof and the thunder in the background, cut out the lights, just have a, a small candle or something lit, and you tell ghost stories. You can have fun that way, but be careful because some of those stories can be true. And so, like I said, it's a, it's a cautionary tale for people to believe in things that go bump in the night, things that scare us when we don't really want to be scared, when we don't need to be scared. The new movie Slender Man is out. Slender Man is a, is a manifestation of the internet. There's no basis that Slender Man was real. But people have believed in it so much it is now part of the psyche of America. And part of the psyche of the internet. So now they've got this new Slender Man movie. It's a visible ghost story. So when you tell these stories, make them good. That's about all I have for this week. I just wanted to discuss that, talk about that, because there are so many ghost stories about so many levels of society. There are poor people. There are rich people. There are people in the middle. There are good people. There are bad people. There are law officers. There are criminals. There are religious people. There are unreligious people. So they can be about anything, but most of them can be true or very close to true and we can have fun with them when we talk about them. 
Like I said, that's all I've got for this week. So I want to thank you for listening to Terry's Mysterious Moments this week. And I really love the sound of the rain in the background. I hope you can hear it. We'll talk to you next week. But remember, on Monday, to listen to Aaron Hunter as he presents Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, where he reads listener stories or presents interviews that he's done. On Tuesday, Aaron Frail presents Aaron's Horror Show, where he talks about movies or, or print horror, uh, sometimes about movies. You know, sometimes he reads books that he's writing. On Wednesday, it's me with Terry's Mysterious Moments. And on occasional Thursdays, Patrick Sean Jones does The Sandman Lullaby. Go to your app store on Apple or on Android and find Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, the app. You can download that, install it, and you will get access straight to all four of our shows. You don't have to use some other kind of podcatcher to get it because this will take you straight to it. And you have access to all the stories. Well, so I think I'm going to try to get some sleep under this beautiful sounding rain. I hope you all have a great week. Enjoy life. If you have a good ghost story, tell me. Send it to me. I want to hear it. And we'll talk to you next time. Credit Card Bill.